This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the Tuesday Show. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions and questions about things going on in your life. All we need you to do is to call us. You can dial 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR, numerically at 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. If you're driving in your car, the safest way to call, and I'm told it just now started to rain here, so use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the call now banner at the top of the screen. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. One more time, our main number is 340-9585. We don't have anything to talk about today in terms of scheduling, so let me get right to questions while we await your phone calls. Oh, I know what I need to say. I'll say it today and tomorrow again. Um, This week we'll be live. um, We were live yesterday, today, and Wednesday, and then Thursday and Friday because of the holiday, New Year's Eve and New Year's we will be doing rebroadcasts. So today and tomorrow, your last chances to call live this year. Yes. So you have to wait till next year to call after that. Abe has a question. He says, I'm confused about when the Holy Spirit left Samson. I thought the Holy Spirit could never leave us. Well, Abe, as a born-again Christian, you're right, the Holy Spirit can never leave us. He's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. That happens upon conversion. When we're born again, that happens. But the Old Testament saints had a completely different relationship with the Holy Spirit than we do. Um, the Holy Spirit would come upon them to do uh, great things, powerful things, miraculous things, um, but it was just for the thing that was ne- necessary, the thing that was happening. But But he never lived in them. Um, he'd come upon them for these feats of power, um, uh, the Lord would speak to their hearts. They would prophesy in some cases. But in Samson's case, and along with the other judges, um, they would they were rescuers, uh, effectively um, superheroes for the nation of Israel. And the reason the Holy Spirit left Samson, and it's sad because it says the Spirit had departed and he knew it not, was because he made a willful decision, a continuing willful decision to sin instead of serving God. He broke his commitment to God, and at some point the Lord had to turn on him as well. So it's not the same thing as as when uh, you and I something don't have to worry about something like this. Uh, the Spirit comes in us, and we're sealed with a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance. So that's the difference between Old Testament and New Testament believers. So Abe, thank you for the question. I hope that makes sense to you. This is an anonymous question. He or she says, 1 Corinthians 5.11 says, But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or a slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. With such men do not even eat. Now here's the question. I have friends who say they are Christians but do a lot of bad things. Do I have to lose them as friends? You know, uh, Anonymous, I think, I think what you have to do is be a friend. Now, they may decide to lose you as a friend, but you have to be a friend. And as a friend, you need to be concerned about their 
eternal state. Um, if they say they're Christians, I don't expect unbelievers to behave like Christians. But whenever anybody behaves like or, or, or behaves like an unbeliever but professes to be a believer, then what we've got to do is we've got to take a stand for the righteousness of Christ. And if you love them, as I said a moment ago, you've got to tell them. And if they choose to end the friendship, well, that's on them. But you will then have made the Lord proud. He'll say, you're my friend. You did what I wanted you to do. I think we have to have just a little bit of a different perspective on these things. uh, Because to treat them as a friend is to tell them the truth. To tell them the truth in love. And uh, when professing Christians say or do bad things... Um, they're pointing themselves out as not really being believers, so you share Jesus with them. If they say, well, I'm a Christian, well, how, how would I know you're a Christian with the way you're behaving? And then they'll probably say, don't judge. We'll say, I'm not, but the Bible says this. And if you go to 1 Corinthians 6, the next chapter, uh, Galatians 5 says the same thing, that if you do these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. I think that makes it a pretty cut-and-dried issue here, Anonymous. So um, they need you as a friend. You don't need them as a friend. Uh, If they choose to disassociate from you, well, that's on them, not on you. Good question. Here is a question from Ginger. Ginger says, I have family members that say Jews will be saved even if they don't believe in Jesus. I say they're wrong. Who's right? Ginger, you're right. Um, Jesus is the only way to heaven. Uh, Jews, um, by virtue of being Jews, aren't saved. Judas was a Jew. Think about that for a moment. Annas and Caiaphas, the ones who bribed Judas and paid people to tell lies about they they were Jews. So no, you don't Um, get a free pass into heaven just because you're Jewish. Israel, nationally, are God's chosen people. Individual Jews, well, they still have the same responsibility as you and I have to be forgiven of their sins as only possible through faith in Jesus Christ. So, Ginger, you're right, and they are wrong. Now, probably they go to one of the churches that is very Israel-friendly, and all churches ought to be Israel-friendly. Uh, real churches. But remember, to be friendly to Jews, you got to tell them about Jesus. And you're not being friendly, you're not being loving at all, if not. You might be politically correct, but your message is really, really a dangerous one. So, Ginger, I hope that answers your question. Um, Brian wants to know, is amillennialism heretical? Um, Brian, it's not heretical. It's wrong. Um, but it's not heretical. It is it is uh, 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 an interpretation that falls within the boundaries of orthodoxy, and it's not um, a, a source of heresy. I think it does a lot of damage uh, to uh, all millennialism. means you don't believe in a millennium, um, and you can't read the Bible, the, the, the prophecies, uh, Isaiah chapter 60 forward. You, you can't read the book of Revelation. Uh, without understanding that that there is a thousand-year period of time on earth where Jesus is going to rule and reign from the throne of Jerusalem. So so to to dismiss that is certainly bad hermeneutics. It certainly can cause people to stumble, and it is dangerous, Brian, but it is not a heresy. When we talk about heresy, we talk about those false religions or cults that change the nature of the character of God. Uh, It is a heresy to say that Jesus was not born of a virgin. We get this all the time with those really smart people on PBS when they do the Christmas and Easter specials. Um, But but that's heresy. Uh, If Jesus wasn't born of a virgin, then we're all lost in our sins. Um, Jesus uh, loves people and wants everybody to do whatever makes them happy. That's heresy because you're you're changing the nature and the character of, of our Lord. So that's what determines what is or is not a heresy. Um, there is a difference between um, a religion and a cult, and there are differences between bad doctrine and heresy the same way. Good question. 
Um, here's an anonymous question. Pastor Ron, I committed crimes before I got saved. No one got hurt, and I've repented, but do I need to turn myself in now that I'm a Christian? You know, anonymous, one of the great things, and I appreciate your heart. See, this is a heart that says, I've done terrible things. Jesus has forgiven me. I want to do the right thing and rightly represent him. And I love that heart. However, when you were saved, the old is gone and the new has come. Why would you want to go dig up the old again when Jesus threw it away? Why would you want to make life more difficult for you when Jesus has set you free from your past? So you've repented. Your sins have been thrown in the deepest, darkest ocean. My old pastor, Pastor Chuck, would uh, would say, um, why do you want to go swimming after them? Leave them where they were buried. And uh, I hope that, that kind of gives you some freedom. Romans 8.1 says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Anonymous, you're a Christian now. And all of those sins... All of those sins are forgiven and forgotten. You know, Anonymous, I obviously don't know who you are because you're Anonymous. That was your intent. Um, But if you would ever come to Calvary Chapel, and I suspect the same thing is true of pretty much any church you'd go into, you'd find a whole bunch of people guilty of crimes who've been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for asking. 340-9585. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Remember, we've only got two more days to get any questions in this year, so we'd love your calls and questions. Daniel says, How much time do you think we should spend debating people who really don't want to listen? I'm involved in some online debates with people, but I'm beginning to think it's a waste of my time. Daniel, I don't think you should spend one minute, not one second, debating somebody online. I, for the life of me, I've never understood this. You know, I've had people, because I do this radio show, I've had people who, who challenge me to debates uh, online. Um, uh, it just it, it makes no sense to me. Um, controversy for controversy's sake, disagreement, disagreement for disagreement's sake, it just doesn't make any sense. There's so many fruitful things to do. Jesus talked about going into a... A town, if you were received, wonderful. If you weren't received, shake the dust off your feet and and move on. And I think that's what we ought to do as well. Daniel, think about how much time you've spent in these online debates. How much of that time could have been spent in prayer or in the Word? Or maybe with a wife or a girlfriend? Doing something constructive, something that honors Jesus. These, especially younger people, I don't mean to generalize, but, um, you know, we've got to be right. And we want to debate. We want to be controversial. We want to inflame people. The truth is that's usually born of pride. Pride is a sin. In fact, it's sort of the sin behind all other sins. And so I wouldn't spend any time at all And I am grateful that the Holy Spirit's beginning to knock on the door of your heart and saying, hey, don't waste your time with this. When people stop listening, stop talking, period. And if they don't want to hear, what's the purpose? Nobody's ever been converted as a result of an online debate or a face-to-face debate, for that matter. So, Daniel, just use your time more wisely than that. Thank you for the question. Rich asks, Pastor Ron, do you think church services will return to normal in 2021? Um, Rich, what I think doesn't really matter because I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I'm not sure church will ever be normal the way it was before. I think church is going to be a, a more difficult place for marginally involved Christians to be. I think... The enemy is going to use the um, exodus out of the churches, the closure of churches. I mean, think about it. It's been, what, nine months now. And and for, for nine months, people stopped going to church. Now, we've got people coming to church, and there are churches open, so I'm speaking in general terms. Um, but I don't think the churches are ever going to be full like they were before. There will be some who are. Uh, I think most of those will be churches that continue to meet. 
uh, during the pandemic or during what was a quarantine. Um, but I don't know what normal is going to be. I think normal is going to be new. And uh, I, I think what you're going to find is what we would have called lukewarm Christians are simply going to sit at home and watch online until they get tired of doing that. And then they're just going to sort of fade out of the picture. You know, Rich, I said at the beginning of this, and I go way back to March, and I am on record saying this uh, in our services here at Calvary Chapel and on this radio program from the very beginning. I said that God is going to use this epidemic to shake out, not shake up, but to shake out his church. And by that I mean sort of separating wheat from tares. I think the pretend believer or the marginal believer, I think that that man or woman is simply going to find it easier to stay home, not worry and justify doing it. And the enemy is pleased that they're staying home. Um, this is past Sunday, Rich. I did a message, year-end message, um, exhorting our church. It was a very personal message for Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. And the, the message was designed to exhort our people to throw away everything that hinders their walk with the Lord, to look uh, by faith forward to what God is going to do in 2021. But in order to do that, in order to hear from the Lord, I think that we're, we're going to have to make a decision that we're going to use Matthew chapter 14, Jesus walking on the water, and Peter saying, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come to you on the water. Uh, I think we're, we're all going to have to listen to Jesus, bid us to come to him on the figurative water of whatever 2021 is going to be like. I think it's time for us to stop being afraid in the church. And I want to emphasize, every time I say this, people feel guilty or they get angry. Um, I, I, th- there are people who don't need to be here. I had the, a blessed opportunity today to see a, a woman from our church. I mean, her and her husband have been here for a lot of years, and I haven't been able to see them hardly at all over these past nine months because they're they're in, in super high-risk groups, and we want them around. They need to stay quarantined or they need to stay as safe as they possibly can avoiding um, mass gatherings for a time until it's safe I'd be upset if I did see them more I love them with all my heart and I had a great chance to hug this lady and and tell her how much she's missed and and uh, we almost started to cry together it's just it was just a wonderful thing there are people that need to stay home. What I'm talking about, Rich, is the people who don't need to stay home but are staying home by choice. And they're rationalizing being safe in order to justify it. I think Jesus is going to tell a lot of those people, uh, I'm out here, it's me, come, come out on the water to me. And again, I'm speaking figuratively. And when we make that choice to walk by faith, to trust in Jesus, when we make that choice, then... I think God is going to do some really neat stuff. I think 2021 is going to be a, a wonderful opportunity. Rich, the one thing I can say, I think, with certainty, is I don't think our world will ever be the same as it was prior to COVID-19. Uh, I don't think that people are angry. People are afraid. People are losing hope. People are are perishing in isolation. And, and I think a lot of churches are going to find it difficult to approach even 50% of the pre-COVID attendance numbers in 2021 and beyond. I think people have learned that they, they think they don't need church. And so I think the world has changed. We've got to change a little bit in the way that we, we go out and attract the world. I was listening to a friend of mine today. Uh, on a message on YouTube. And he was saying that uh, there's been a lot of good that's come out of COVID. A lot of people that never had online ministries certainly are doing online ministries now. And that means the word is being circulated. Um, and while I, I I agree with that, we were doing online stuff before this all happened. So for us, there was no change necessary. But But we need to remember that church isn't just listening to worship 
and listening to a Bible study. Churches loving people, ministering to people, exhorting people, encouraging people. You know, Rich, one of the things that we stopped, and nobody's on the line, so I'm not holding anybody up here, but one of the things that we stopped doing with COVID, we were famous for our meet and greet time. You know, we'd take a full five to seven minutes of meet and greet and everybody running around the church and talking. And, 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 you know, as difficult as that was to schedule in our already tight schedule, I wouldn't have changed that for the world because we have since Paula is the best example. She'd be out um, telling people, um, introducing herself to them, taking pictures of them, uh, getting names, getting phone numbers, and things like that. Uh, and it was just one of those things where where people would say, boy, this is a friendly church. And we stopped doing that. I, I want to return to that in 2021. I don't know when it will be safe to do that, but I want to return to that. I, I don't ever want to get uh, to the point where we're afraid to be friendly, afraid to be loving and, and, and welcoming. And I hope the people that still come to Calvary Chapel of San Antonio would, would all agree that this is a, a friendly place it's hard to to see people in masks. It's hard to love on them. Um, but but eventually, that's what church really is. It's not just worship, and it's not just a Bible study. Thank you, Rich. I appreciate the question. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. We got about four minutes left in this half of the program. I know one thing I didn't say at the top of the program is tomorrow. Paula will be live in studio with me on uh, another modified date day edition, a Wednesday-Thursday show. Uh, so uh, tomorrow Paula will be here uh, for anybody who needs to be encouraged or who has questions to ask her. Paul says, You have talked a lot about legalism, and you've done so harshly. What is your fear of legalism when keeping rules matters? Paul, legalists make the rules the end-all and the be-all rather than Jesus. You know, the whole point of the law is to show us that we can't keep it and to demonstrate our need for Jesus. Paul, talking to to the Galatians, he says that the the law was a schoolmaster or a tutor really leading us to Christ. When we see we can't keep the the rules, the law, then what we end up doing is we, we... are supposedly, if, if we're walking in wisdom, we turn to Jesus, who did keep the law, and say, help. That's the purpose of the law. And what I find with legalists is that they're, they're, they're lacking joy, they're harsh, and they're judgmental. They have a superior attitude. Uh, I'm more spiritual than they are because I do this and they don't do this. I wear long dresses, they don't, or whatever they're being legalistic about. But legalism never, ever justifies anybody. And in fact, the only thing that it does is it keeps people away from the Lord because legalism condemns. And because that's the purpose of legalism, knowing you're condemned and then crying out for grace. Uh, Paul, what Jesus wants you to do is to walk with him and enjoy the freedom. It is for freedom we've been set free. Keeping rules matters. You're right. But the truth is, even you don't keep the rules, Paul, because you can't. No matter how hard you try, it's never brought you an ounce of eternal security. It's never brought you even a moment of joy. And even those times when you think, well, I did good today, it's pride. Instead of simply saying, Jesus... Teach me to be free in Christ. And you see, when you are bound by laws, then you do things because you have to. When you're bound by love and enjoy the freedom Christ has given you, well, then you're no longer bound by laws. That which was only hard work before becomes a labor of love. And Paul, that's what Jesus wants for us. So legalism, legalists, Paul um, speaks very directly to it in Romans um, and and, uh, to a lesser degree in in his letters to the Corinthians. 
But remember, the law is good if you use it properly. If you misuse it, then it becomes a club. And it is a club that, frankly, never provides an ounce of satisfaction. So that's why I speak about legalism harshly. You know, there are are Christians who, I always say, they walk around like their shoes are too tight, on too tight. And uh, it's just not a good way to be. Hey, we've got 30 minutes left in the program today. Um, We've got Zach holding on line one. Zach will take you to the very first call on the other side of the break. This is the word to stand up for life. 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR. We'll be back in two minutes. Don't have time to call into the Word to Stand On for Life? No problem. If you've got questions, you can email them to Pastor Ron at PastorRonKSLR at gmail.com. That's PastorRonKSLR at gmail.com. Welcome back to the Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the second half of our program, 340-9585. Zach, thanks for being patient with us. You are on the air. Hey, Pastor Ron. It's been a while since I called into the show, but I'm really happy to be on here. Um, oh, thanks, Zach. I just want awesome. I I just want to get straight to my point, I guess. Um, uh, when you were talking earlier, just about like you know Jesus like calling us, calling your church to like walk out on the water. I just thought, I mean, that was so crazy, man. Because like that's what Jesus is calling me to do. You know, like this year he's been like, um, he's really been pushing me to like talk to people. You know, because and just you know share the gospel. You know, because I'm. I'm really, I'm really socially, I, I'd rather not talk to people, to be honest. I'd rather keep my <laughs> head down and never look at anyone, you know. Um, but I just, um, yeah, like, the Lord's really been pushing me because, you know, it's like, just kind of give me, like, you know, you, there's not really a backup, you know. Like, you are, like, who I'm going to use or, you know. So mm-hmm. I just, like, um, but it, obviously, like, you know, I know Jesus is with us. But obviously, it gets really scary, you know, and obviously walking on that water is kind of insane, you know. So I guess um, my, I guess what I'm asking is, like, can you, like, expand on that, you know, on just, like, you know, like, you know, Peter, like, walking on the water, like, kind of what that means for us and, like, kind of what that means and, like, just, like, you know, obeying God, if, if that makes sense, you know. Like, sure, is, is what does, I'm saying make sense? Yep, okay, perfect sense. Awesome. I'll hang up Thank, and listen. Thank you, Zach. I appreciate it. You know, when, when I gave the message on Sunday, uh, and I've actually known for probably two months that that's the message that the Lord wanted me to deliver on the last Sunday of uh, 2020. Um, and, and the idea is you, you've got to go into the places that aren't safe. Zach, here's a, a, a verse for you. It's Philemon verse 6. Paul says, and he's writing to Philemon, who happens to be a pastor, he says, I pray that you will be active in sharing your faith so that you'll have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. And the idea is people that aren't sharing their faith, and I realize there are some people like you, Zach, you'd rather not talk to people. I'm not a, a super outgoing person. No, I happen to be married to like one of the most outgoing people in the world. So all I got to do is hang around with her and I get all kinds of opportunities. Um, but but when you when you're stepping out of the boat, the safety of the boat. Now remember, there's a big storm. They see Jesus walking on the on the water out to them. Mark's gospel says he was about to pass them by, and Peter said, um, "Lord, if it's really you, bid me to come to you on the water." And Jesus just said one word, "Come." And what I try to tell our church on Sunday, Zach, is the real tragedy of that story is Peter stepped out. Now, remember how, how scary those first steps would have been. He steps out over, puts his foot on the water, and, and starts thinking, nobody can walk on water. I think the other 11 
are in the boat saying, Peter, what do you think you're doing? You can't walk on water. It's dangerous out there. And, and that he was razor, laser focused on, on Jesus. Jesus had come, so he started to walk. And as a result, he did what God wanted him to do in spite of the fear. And there were 11 men, 10 of whom would become apostles, and they stayed in the boat. And Zach, what I told Calvary Chapel this past Sunday was, I, I don't want them, I love them. I want them to be uh, out of the boat. Get out of the boat, walk with Jesus, be obedient, and no matter how scary it is, when he's asking you to do something, he's, he's really doing it from a position of total authority. We're not our own, we're bought with a price. We don't get to, to say, well, I'm scared, so I'm not going to do it. And if we do, we're the, we're the ones that are going to miss out. So, Zach, let me give you a hint here, maybe a tip or two uh, about sharing, especially for shy people. Uh, I'm not a guy who gets in people's face and say, do you know Jesus? That's that's not witnessing to me. But what I do is I talk to people. I talk to people. Again, with Paula, it's it's easy, but, but, you know, I do it often on my own now. Um, We go to restaurants, just as an example, and I'll ask somebody, uh, and I'm trying to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, and I'll ask somebody, so uh, what did you order? Um, you look like you're enjoying your breakfast. What did you get? And it gives me an opportunity to talk to them. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm able to look at something, a, a hat they're wearing with a message or a T-shirt that they've got with a message. Or I'm able to see that somebody's married. I can say, oh, you guys look great together. Are you married? And, and how long are you married if you're married? And you just open up conversation and it's amazing when you take that first step out of the boat, Zach, and you start fishing around. Um, it's amazing how many fish you're going to catch because you're going to be able to engage them in conversation. And that's all we're trying to do, an opportunity, always looking for an opportunity to share Jesus with them. And you do that conversationally. It's not confrontational. It certainly isn't something that should make you frightened. But you do it, and then when people start responding, I promise you, I promise you that you'll change the way you feel about talking to strangers. We have such a great time, Paul and I. Um, I, I, I you know, again, I'm not an outgoing person, but I can talk to anybody about anything pretty much. And if Paul is talking to somebody, all I got to do is, is sort of butt in, and, and we're there. And we, we have so many opportunities to talk to people. I can ask them how long they've been married and, and then say, you know, she's hung out with me for 50 years. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that we can um, invite people in to our conversation. So, Zach, just do it. Be obedient. And when you do that, Acts 532 says the Holy Spirit will come upon you to those who obey. And you're being obedient. And, and here's my promise to you, Zach, if you keep stepping out of the boat, even when you're afraid, even when you're uncomfortable, um, God's going to show off for you. He's going to show off through you. And you won't want to miss out on anything. One other comment, Zach, about the message that I did on Sunday. Um, Jesus made his disciples get in that boat to go across the lake. And it was following the feeding of the 5,000. I think that is the signature miracle of the New Testament apart from the resurrection of our Lord. All four gospel accounts report on it. And I think all 12 of the disciples got to be a part of something miraculous. And I think that's what motivated Peter's question. When he sees Jesus walking on the water, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. I think his motivation was, I don't want to miss out on another miracle. I want to be a part of this that miracle just like I was a part of the last one. And I think as Christians, Zach, we need to get up every day thinking, I don't want to miss out on anything you have for me, Lord. Divine appointments, people that need prayer, whatever it is, I want to be the man that you can use. I don't want to, to, to miss out. And if we'll live our lives that way, figuratively, that's when we're stepping out of the boat and walking on the water to Jesus. And he's going to meet us every single time. Zach, great question. And 
And uh, you keep doing whatever it is you need to do to get out of that boat. Let's go to line one and talk with Antoinette from San Antonio. Antoinette, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hey, Papa Ron. Oh, oh, it gets a little are, loud. I got a warning. I got like three that's kids. That's okay. Oh, I have three kids in the car. <laughs> I was, oh, hope, um, I was hoping it was you. I was hoping <laughs> so much it was you. Hi, guys. Hi, Trey. I miss you. Aw, uh, we miss you too. Um, so this is my question. I was okay. reading, like, I have a little, like, life group type family. Uh, some women that, like, we, like, get together on Zoom on Sundays. And so we've been reading through Matthew. And so um, oh, this last Sunday, Matthew chapter 4, I think the sentence, the chapter opens up and it says that the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. And mm-hmm. so I'll be honest, that kind of bothered me a bit. And then they correlated it with Job, and you know how, you know, the devil went before God, and God presented Job as an example of someone who would not fall. Hold on a second, Mama. Who would not fall, you know, if, you know, the devil, I guess, did things to harm him. And then they brought up the verse, uh, or James 1.13, where it says that God won't tempt us. And so I was hoping maybe you can kind of help me understand, because when I, when I read those, it seems like, you know, God kind of put Job and Jesus in a position to be shit, but it says that God won't tempt us. So I hope that question makes yep. sense. Um, it does. And I will hang up and listen to Good. you on the air. I love you. Say bye I love guys. you too. Give my, give my babies a kiss and hug for us, please. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Those are the three kids, most beautiful kids ever. Just the most beautiful kids ever. I just absolutely love them and miss them so much. You know, um, um, I, I think one of the things that we have to, to, we have to read carefully, Antoinette, um, when, when uh, Matthew 4 opens, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. So it wasn't God doing the tempting. So James is right. Uh, when God never tempts us. At the same time, he leads us into places knowing that we will be tempted, but he is never the source of temptation. And while that may seem like a minute difference, it really isn't. It's a, it's a monumental difference. You see, these are tests, and tests show us where we are. Now, in Jesus' case, in uh, Matthew chapter 4, this is the very first thing that happened after he was baptized, and the Spirit came upon him in the form of a dove. Um, the, the very first orders that Jesus heard from heaven was go into the desert, be tempted by the enemy. Um, the Father knows that Jesus needs to be tempted in all ways as we are. So this was just an appointment. And Jesus, of course, handled it wonderfully. Uh, um, when the devil tried to tempt him to take shortcuts, tempt him to, to, to turn the rocks into bread, uh, Jesus had answers. It is written, it is written, it is written. So in order to be somebody who's been tempted in all ways as we are, Jesus had to be tempted. Now, the situation with Job was a little different. Uh, Job uh, wasn't um, um, tempted by God, um, but you see, God knew that Satan was looking for an opening. And it wasn't that God was offering Job up as a, as a sacrifice. What he was doing was simply acknowledging that that uh, Satan, you, you've been checking out my servant Job. It's a military term, meaning an inspection. He was looking for an opening, and he couldn't find one. And so God was basically sort of bragging on Job. I have no one like him. No one is righteous. And, and that's when the devil challenged God, and God, for reasons that we will never understand till we get to heaven, it suited the purposes of God. The book of Job is one of those purposes. We do know that. But it served the purpose of God to let Satan have his way Given the restrictions, you cannot kill him. You cannot, um, um, he's mine. You can only go so far. But remember, the temptation was from the devil. And um, um, Job wonderfully passed his test as well. So God leads us into places where we will be tempted by an enemy or tempted by other people or tempted by our flesh. But he himself never is a source of the temptation. 
And we have tests for a lot of reasons. One, uh, in, in Deuteronomy, we're told that he, he t- tested his people, Israel, in the wilderness to find out what was in their heart. Now, he knew what was in their heart, but he had to expose what was in their heart. When he tests us, he tests us to find out what's in our heart. So we will know. Uh, the, the story that we were just talking about, about Jesus uh, walking on the water and Peter coming out to him. Um, he tested all 12. He didn't say just to Peter, come. He told the disciples, come. There was nobody else that got out of the boat, just Peter. No wonder Peter was the spokesman. So um, it's not God doing the tempting. That's very important. Thank you, Antoinette. We miss you so much. God bless. Let's go to Jim on line two holding. Jim, thanks for holding. You're on the air. Thanks for taking the call, Pastor. That was a great answer. You're really careful to understand that the word is very precise. So, I mean, you can (laughs) read it too casually and get all kind of mud pits and all that. But uh, a couple questions, uh, just personally, you kind of want to apply something. Uh, uh, Matthew 10, 45 says, he says, you know, I didn't come to be served, but to serve, and to give my life as a ransom for many. So I take personally, you know, I, he's paid my ransom. And uh, I'm just I'm just talking about my own growth in Christ. Paul takes it to a different level, like a different level. I'm just not reading this carefully, but listen to uh, Galatians 2.20, where, where Paul says, uh, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. And this phrase got me who loved me and delivered himself up for me. So he's saying the same thing that Jesus did about being a ransom, but it's like, I, I you know, I, that that requires a, a more deeper response than the, the verse that's read from Mark, because Jesus is saying, I personally, I, I love you. I delivered myself up for you. And uh, I'm just evolving into the, trying to live out that truth day by day, have have you had any insights on that? And it's like, you know, it, it's it's the reality of Ephesians one that says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world." So I'm I'm kind of in my head. I believe that in my heart. I'm not there. <laughs> I love your honesty, Jim. Thank you for that. You know, one of the things I think that we have to understand that, you know, not only Jesus' purpose in coming in Mark chapter 10, when he says, for uh, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. um, That was his statement of purpose. And when we understand that, then then theoretically what ought then to happen is our appreciation, our gratitude um, um, increases. And we, we love him more. Remember Mary Magdalene, um, she was forgiven of so much, and she loved much. And and we who are forgiven much, we love much. And I think sometimes people who haven't been forgiven of that much, maybe their lives weren't that bad, they, they find it hard to really be grateful um, that, that Jesus was a ransom for us. Uh, I think of the thieves on the cross, Jim. Um, both of them equidistant from the Lord, both seeing exactly the same things, hearing exactly the same words, and only one of them was affected. And and the, the difference was that man said, we deserve what's happened to us. This man, this righteous man has done nothing wrong. We deserve what's happening to us. And then he cried out, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And of course, he received the promise of salvation. Um, I, I think we, we've, we've all got to be honest and, and get to that place where we realize that we really do deserve eternal hell. I know that's not a popular thing to say, but when we understand it from his perspective, that he paid the price that I should have paid, and he loved me so much that he wouldn't let me. He couldn't let me be punished. Well, that just lights a fire in my heart when we partake of communion. This coming Sunday will be uh, the first Sunday of the new first Sunday of the new year, and, and communion of the new year. Uh, I, I'll tell people all the time that, that this is His love letter to you. When we break the bread, this is His love letter to you. He loves you so much that He couldn't bear to see you punished. So He willingly, obediently. 
And willingly, though not eagerly, he wanted the cup to pass if there was any other way, but because there was no other way, he stood in our place. And I think sometimes, Jim, we we lose sight of the importance, the value of the, the penal substitutionary atonement of Jesus. He took the wrath of God so that we wouldn't have to. And Jesus, in the passage that you began with in Mark 10, 45, he said, that's my whole reason for coming. Now, we also know that he's coming again. And when he comes again, that judgment is going to be the only thing on his agenda. And once judgment is accomplished, then he will establish a new kingdom. So it'll be different then. But when he came the first time, for people like you and people like me, I think the only reason that's hard for some of us to really accept is because we've been conditioned to believe that we're okay. We're like the rich young ruler. You know, all these laws I've kept, well, all of those laws should drive us to our knees. The Sermon on the Mount, Jim, should drive us to our knees in gratitude because there's no way we can live up to that standard. Uh, We can't keep the law, but Jesus there raises the standard. And because the standard is that high, Jesus had to fulfill our obligation for us. And that's how we can be proclaimed innocent of all charges. That ought to thrill every person who considers that. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate it very, very much. Let's go to line three. We've got Walter holding. Walter, thank you for being patient. You are on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron. Hi, God bless you and and Paul. Um, Thank you. You prayed Thank for you. me before I, I had called you. I told you I had been sick for 15 years with them. Um, uh-huh. um, anyways, and I'm a heart patient now, and I've been disabled for 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 a while. And you mentioned someone who gives people rides to church in your in in your church. Is it possible someone could come and pick me up um, on Sunday or whenever you have a worship service, and I could. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could uh, enjoy that that uh, blessing. Sure, you could, Walter, and, and we've got people all over the the, uh, the countryside. So, um, um, what what we need is to know where you live. So here's what I'd ask you to do: send an email to to questions at calvaryessay.com with your contact information, where you live, what part of town that you live in. And uh, we've got a whole bunch of people that would be thrilled to come and give you a ride to church. We have three services on Sunday so that you can pick a convenient time. We've got services on Wednesday night and Friday nights. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we, we, we have people who would love to do that. We've got a lot of people that are coming just for that reason. Other people in the body have stepped out of the boat in their own situations and, and have offered people rides. So we'd love to be able to do that, Walter, and I'm, I'm glad to hear you're doing better. You doing okay? Oh, God bless you. I'm just disabled right now, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to struggle through it. A very hard time for me, but uh, okay. really, I'm getting closer and closer to the Lord, and it's it's a great experience. It's great. Uh, so, well, uh, you send contact information. We'll get somebody to contact uh, you. Okay. Could, could I ask you that website questions at info? Could you tell me that again, no. please? Yeah, it's it's questions at calvaryessay.com. Questions at calvaryessay.com. Okay, that's great. Well, God bless you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you, Walter. Thank you for holding. God bless. We are almost out of time here. Let me do one more question that I've got here. Um, Rich asked, do you think people are changing churches because their church is closed? Um, Rich, you know, one of the things that, that, that no church should ever try to do is steal people from other churches. Um, I, now, if somebody's going to a bad church, then... Boy, we'll take them. Um, but um, uh, sadly, I think one of the one of the things that's happening is that um, churches that have closed for a long period of time are losing people, and they're not going to go back. We have new people every week. Every single week, we got new people. Now we've been here for twenty five years. You get to know people. Usually, the new people we had before COVID were, was people that were being invited to church by believers here at the church, and then people getting saved. Now what's happening is we're seeing new people and, and they're just tired of their church being closed. They miss it. They need the, the fellowship. I, I keep saying on this program, it's not good for us to be in isolation and people are starting to realize that. 
you can you can hear in Walter's voice, um, you know, the, the the body of Christ that that in person fellowship is really important, and I think a lot of people are realizing that it's more important to be there in person than they ever believed that it was before COVID. So yes, I can tell you firsthand, people are changing churches. Uh, we are having a lot of new people come. And, um, um, you know, while we're always thrilled to have people come, Rich, um, I think this is the worst possible reason for people to be coming to church, to a new church or to be changing churches. Uh, but you know what? The churches that are closing, they can couch it in any terms that they want, uh, but they are not doing the right thing, the thing that Jesus would have them do by being closed. You know, coming to church needs to be an individual decision on the part of the people who are part of those bodies. But if we close the church, we're not giving them the opportunity. And we really, really, really need to realize that's a responsibility we have. We need to be here for the people when they need us. And the only way to do that, Rich, is to keep the doors open. One more time, we have a special date day edition tomorrow with Paula. It's a Wednesday-Thursday program, and she'll be here live in studio. Hey, thanks for tuning in. May the Lord bless you and keep you. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow with Paula at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio.